For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We're on a collision course for the national championship and only variable is time. Because the train is rolling, so anybody out there, I can't tell you what's going to happen right now, but it's coming. Get on board, but get out the way. That's what that is right there. You're coming like this, man. When you like this, you can't be me, baby! You're listening to From the Pink Seats Podcast of the State of Louisville Podcast Network. Now, here's your host, Jacob Lane, Matt McGavin, and Vince LaCoco! I don't think there's any statistics or data to back this up, but if I had to estimate, I think this would be the fastest football season in my entire lifetime. Just like that, 13, 14 weeks, the season has come to a conclusion, our final show uh, of the season with, uh, I, guess, I guess, a game to recap. Um, so, yeah, that's where we are. It's a, it's a happy day, but it's also sad because we now have to go for the longest offseason in all of sports uh, that is college football. Jacob Lane, Vince Lococo, no Matt McGavick tonight. Presley Meyer will join here shortly. We've got a special guest in the house. Dana Kennard, former Louisville football defensive lineman, joins us. we got a lot to get into tonight, breaking down the big victory, the big postseason victory, the first bowl win since 2019 for Louisville. Uh, as they uh, take the keg of nails and bring it home uh, against Cincinnati, we'll get into all the details of the game. I'm excited to to talk with uh, with Dana here, especially on the defensive side, considering the defense just absolutely showed out. Uh, but welcome into From the Pink Seats podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in all season long. Uh, we've got a lot to get into tonight. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to the show if you haven't already from the Pink Seats anywhere you get your podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Pink Seats Pod. Dana, I want to ask you, first of all, it's been um, – what a year since you, or so since your uh, career ended, right? You've been off the field now for a little over a year. What's life like for you? What are you up to? Give the the audience a little bit of an update on what you uh, got going on, man. Yeah, so uh, life after football has been has been great for me. Um, I now have a, a job with Republic National Distributing Company, which I'm a sales representative for their ind- uh, independent retail division. Uh, but everything's been great, though. Um, yeah, it's been, I guess, over a year now since I stopped playing because my last game was actually against UK yeah. um, at home. I didn't get to play in that bowl game because of COVID. Um, but but it's been great, though. I've, I've been really enjoying my life after ball, taking care of my body, the number one priority for me after having gone through the injuries that I did. Um, yeah, so I, I, I really enjoy it. How do you scratch that competitive itch after you, you know, your football career ends? Like, what do you do that keeps you kind of constantly, you know, because football, it's just consumes your life, I, I would imagine. Uh, so okay. what do you do to kind of scratch that competitive itch now that you're not playing football? So with um, with my job, of course, uh, we, we have some competition. We have some, you know, um, competitive nature to it. Um, yeah, but you can't like put hands sales. on anybody in the right. well, yeah. business. <laughs> that would be great if you could, like once a month, right. the Royal right. Rumble. Um, yeah, so in the sales I office. Guess, 
I guess a couple things. Um, I do well. I started back in what January um, boxing at um, Title and on uh, Hurstborn. Um, so that was kind of something that I was already kind of familiar with because, of course, with defensive line training, we're doing a lot of stuff with our hands. So that kind of was a, um, a easy transition. And then um, also recently, I picked up a hobby of paintball. So that's kind of my my new thing. Yeah, I've been seeing uh, you and uh, Dorsey and TP. Y'all, y'all been yeah. paintball. Where are y'all doing that at? And how? All right, how bad are y'all? Because neither one, none, none of y'all are fast. No, I mean, I'm great. All y'all I'm have great. is lateral speed. So, that's about it. And you're all no, big, you're, so you can't. Yeah, really and you're high. all wide targets. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, we, we go. Um, what was it? Because last year um, with the football team, we went down to Condors in Elizabethtown as a team outing. Um, and I think Derek texted me back in August. He was like, "Hey, uh, you know, we're planning like a little guys trip to go paintballing at that Condors place. You want to go?" And I was like, yeah, sure. I, I love paintball. And uh, once we got out there, we got into it. We were using all the rental gear and everything. I was like, man, this stuff is garbage. So I messed around. And I bought everything. I bought, I like, of course, I like having my stuff. So I bought, you know, the gun, the mask, the everything. I bought everything. So they they got stuff, too. But we have a lot of fun with it. It's good to, you know, of course, keep up with those guys after being out of football. So. Yeah, so I know you're not technically from Louisville, right? Or maybe you are. I don't know exactly. Yeah, you know how those two seven listings, right? Right, but you know, some yeah, of them are right. like, oh, he's from Louisville, but really, he he's lives over Jeff. there. Yeah. Did you do I'm laser? Did you do laser blaze as a kid? Did you ever cross yep. the river? Okay, yep. all right, man. Yep. So, were you good at that? Like, is that translate? Yeah, directly to I've paintball? always, yeah, I've always been. Uh, see, like, I play. I, I was a gamer growing up, so I yeah. played, you know, Call of Duty, Halo, all that kind of stuff. So I was always into that kind of thing. Um, and then I, I had multiple birthday parties over at Laser Blaze. Okay. Um, and uh, and yeah, so now paintball. Like flex right there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there fat, for a minute, like I was like, you know, I told my parents, I was like, I want my birthday party at Laser Blaze this year, like no questions about it. And I think I did like I don't know two three times, but who's yeah, the one? Who's the worst Call of Duty player on the Louisville football team across oh. your career? Who's the worst? <laughs> who's the worst and who's the best? The worst, uh, my guy Dorian Etheridge. <laughs> he, is, <laughs> he is terrible. He is terrible. Uh, and then, and I always give him crap about it because, like, when we play games, like we played Fortnite, I always told him, like, I gave you your first Fortnite win. Don't forget that. Um, <laughs> the best one, man. I'll probably say I'm definitely up there. I'm top. Three oh and I'm not, I'm not three. <laughs> I don't play Call of Duty anymore because I'm over it. But yeah, you're uh, grown. Yeah. Uh, but I probably say, I know, uh, what was it? Um, Maurice Berkeley. Oh, yeah, Maurice Berkeley is really good at video games. He was good. He probably could have uh, went pro. Derek would try to say that he's good, but um, Derek's know. good at Madden. I know that for sure. He oh, was on the well, gaming yeah, team, he was on the video game. He, he literally so. lives on Madden, he loves Madden. Oh. I love that. We could talk about this all night. Presley Meyer joins from what looks like a hotel bed somewhere in, uh, I believe, in Michigan. Presley, welcome into the show, man. It's not the weirdest place you've been doing the show before. I know that. I was about to say, this is pretty average for me. Uh, nah, I, mean, I love the oak behind you, dude. It's a vibe here. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's a lovely refinished hotel here in BFE, still, Michigan. Still not better than getting a tattoo or walking home and talking to everybody you see on campus. Or getting a haircut. Or haircut. Haircut's good yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. No, Dana, that's just some of the guests we've had on. You know, yeah. Hawk. Hawk was getting tatted. 
uh monty was oh, getting a cut monty was getting a cut and uh you of know of course you know monty he talks to everybody <laughs> everybody on oh, the, way yeah. back from, uh, the barber so yeah oh right yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of video games, it's a perfect segue because uh, the Louisville-Cincinnati football game on defense felt like somebody just gave the sticks to somebody who wanted to blitz the entire time. I don't know about you all on your defensive strategy, man. I mix it up. I'll go a little heavy blitz and then a little zone back off, and then I'll throw in a little fake blitz. Uh, But Mark Ivey was going engage eight, uh, all out, linebacker (laughs) dog blitz, uh, and Louisville's defense um, put on a show, man, an absolute clinic, and and it was – some ugly football at times. We're going to get into the details of all of that here in a few minutes with Vince's game notes, but uh, it's a win nonetheless for Louisville um, against the fighting Scott Satterfield, Cincinnati, uh, a nine and three <laughs> football team. I, I just, that, that's a nine and three football team coming into that felt like a good victory for me. I know that they're not the team they were last year and they're missing a ton of players, but overall uh, Louisville does what it needs to do to win 24 to seven. They pick up their second bowl win, I guess under I'll call it the Scott Satterfield regime. I know that uh, he technically wasn't there for that game. Nope, and- Jeff Brabner. Yeah. <laughs> or the Mar- uh, Mark Ivey era. The Deion Mark Ivey era. Yeah. yeah, the Deion Call it the Mark Ivey. I like that. Uh, with a, with a shell of a staff in, in terms of coordinators and position groups out there, Louisville just – you could tell they wanted it more. And and say what you will about bowl games and, and how all that goes against, you know, every every game one team cares less than the, the team they're playing against. But uh, in this game, Louisville fought and, and just did their thing defensively. Offensively, they weren't throwing the football barely at all, uh, but relied on the run game instead, 287 yards on 49 carries. Uh, Vince, let's let's kick it over to you, man. I know we got Dana here. We're going to do this. I don't know if you all watch NFL Live or any of the NFL shows, but one of my favorite things is when Ryan Clark or Marcus Spears gets up on the big board with Dan Orlovsky and they just go back and forth rapid style, <laughs> breaking down game film. I absolutely love it. I told Vince that that's what I hope that this is because Dana, I know and you I, watched and the Dana game And detail. I explained to him that we don't have a board either. That, no, we, this is a very <laughs> low budget, okay? This is a low budget NFL Live. Look, I, I get it, right? We don't have the fancy big board. We could share a screen here and I could pull up the YouTube clips and we could do it that way. But for the sake of time, Vince, give us Vince's game notes and what you saw on the field in Louisville's final game of the year in which they walked away victorious. <laughs> It's time to get down to brass tacks. It's Vince's Game Notes with Vincent Lococo. Well, I think it all starts and finishes with the defense, uh, which is the whole reason Dana's on the podcast tonight is to talk defense. Uh, Dana, why don't you take us in the mind of Mark Ivey a little bit? I know him uh, as Coach Ivey, and I've been around him a bunch, obviously, but you being in the meeting room with him, you were around him plenty more times than I was. I mean, I know he's a crazy guy. I know, you know, you can tell pregame stuff that he's wild and everything, but I feel like his personality came out a little bit from the defense. You saw the Mark Ivey personality all over the defense on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Coach Ivey, uh, crazy is maybe an understatement. Um, he is definitely unique, but he is all about aggression. And that's exactly what I saw on Saturday was aggression. I mean, how many times were they blitzing? You know, they're sending five, six, you know, seven people at times, and the quarterback was always under pressure. Like he was, he was scared. You could see that he was scared. He, when he rolled out against uh, with Yaya on that sack, he was already ready for it. He knew that somebody was about to be right there because yeah, he was not just a, used. That's to it. Not something you want to. I mean, the quarterback awareness on that play. He's a freshman, young kid, eighteen, yeah. probably eighteen, nineteen years old. 
you know, he's hitting a grown 24-year-old Yaya Diaby. That, yeah. that, that was a dead body waiting to happen. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, Coach Ivy called. Uh, I mean, I was super happy for him. And, I mean, that was probably – I was talking to my parents about this. I was like, that's probably my favorite defense that I've watched at Louisville since I'd been there and since, I mean, my recent memory. Um, so, yeah. I mean, it was it was amazing. Uh, one thing that I noticed uh, specifically that was a lot different uh, this game opposed to other games that Coach Brown had called was uh, the linebackers. And a lot of a lot of times our linebackers, you know, majority of the time they're coming from depth. Uh, I saw them mugged up and walked up a lot. Uh, for you as a defensive lineman, Dana, how much does that uh, help? You know, kind of disguise things and. Uh, helps with the picks and the movements and different ETs and things like that. Uh, does it help a lot with guys being mugged up like that? Because it felt like it did on Saturday during the game. Yeah, I mean, anytime when, when you know, the dog and the uh, and the card would ever come down and would show pressure, I mean, that's automatically going to take the, you know, that tackle's eyes out to them. So they are always going to check for that. They're going to keep an eye on that. So that keeps them guessing. Um, and especially playing the position that I play, being that head-up defensive end. I mean, nothing's worse than when you're a head-up defensive end it turns into pass. you got to rush and get on the outside edge. And you got to start with inside of the tackle. you got to get all the way out to a six technique. That sucks. But whenever you have that outside linebacker in there, sometimes you can beat the guard quickly through the B-gap, and you could pick off and ricochet off the, uh, off the tackle if he has to – um, you know, if he has to acknowledge that outside linebacker. Uh, one thing, another thing, uh, I mean, I noticed it a lot in the game. Defense played phenomenal. I mean, they got the creative turnovers. The pressure was there. Uh, we were stopping the run. I mean, we were, they were playing lights out. Uh, one thing I did notice, and it was bothering me a lot, was uh, the D lineman not keeping contained, be it either the outside linebacker or the D end. How uh, do you think that is because we were in more of a head-up stance? Do you think that could have been prevented with us? being more of like a wide nine technique or something like that. That I mean, those are things that where my head's thinking of watching that game because we're transitioning into a four-down defense next year. So, I mean, those wider right. nines are going to happen. So yeah. do you think yeah. that would happen? I mean, yeah, playing from a head-up technique, it is – it's so hard to get contained yet also get pressure on the quarterback mm -hmm. because a lot of the times when you're a head-up technique, Sometimes you think that you could beat the tackle so good and you can get up through that B gap, you're going to get to the quarterback super quick. But he may clamp down on you. The guard may, you know, jump set you and you're screwed. You're not going to get contained. Um, but a lot of times, which we, we used to call it whenever we knew that it was a pass play. Um, and when we had um, you had the outside linebacker come in, say, on the left side, the right, the right side defensive end would get, you know, in a super wide, yeah, you know, yeah. pretty much damn near nine. Yeah. Um, which at that point, yeah, but it's always – it was kind of weird because you had to call Hawk. You had to be confident about it. You had to know that it was um, pass, but – Yeah, Ivy always saved y'all's ass. oh. asses in the meetings. So in the D staff meetings, I guess I yep. can talk about this now. We'd be in yep. there and uh, – you know, we'd be like, man, what, what the hell's I, what, what are they doing right there? What's Dana doing? And I'd be like, oh, he called Hawk. It's good. He called Hawk. He didn't mean to get driven yeah. off the ball that bad. It was, it was Hawk. <laughs> we called Hawk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that that was that was a part of that defense. Um, uh, but uh, it was difficult at times. But our biggest thing in in um, 
in the game week and scouting and watching the uh, other play, other teams' film was looking for those keys, always seeing where the offensive lineman's foot was, his hands, head. There's all kinds of stuff. For both of you guys, walk me through one thing I noticed, and I'm sure a lot of fans noticed. I saw on Twitter a lot of people talking about the, the secondary struggling when the defense went into some of those all-out pressures that really relied on the the four or five members of the secondary to cover for um, I wouldn't say an extended period of time, I guess in a way, because Prater extended the play it was, but how, how difficult is it for those guys? I feel like I put a lot of blame on them for those plays where they would, the receivers would have the comeback catches that were incredible as their quarterbacks going down. How hard is it um, for them to try to hold contain on that, knowing that the quarterback's scrambling around and it's just kind of an all out fire drill at that point? Well, in my opinion, it, it's, it's all about discipline and that back end, uh, uh, they call it scramble drill whenever you're at the wide receiver position. And, you know, you always want to stay in relation to your quarterback, never make him throw across his body, you know, things like that. Uh, just all your basic football stuff. It's all going through your head in that split decision that you're deciding to break off the route and kind of freestyle everything. But at the same time, if you're in man coverage, you can't lose sight of your man. You, I mean, that's still your man regardless if, you know, he runs – what you think is a slant and then you know he stops in his tracks and breaks back outside you still have to stay on that guy uh a lot of times what you see guys falling into uh what they like to call an oh shit moment where guys are just stuck with their pants down they're like oh shit thought dana had the sack oh shit i thought blah blah blah. And, no. you know that's what happened on the long touchdown in my opinion uh where prater broke no. the sack he didn't break the sack i mean he just threw he some BS. He just- yeah i mean he threw some bs up and uh Sometimes it's your day, man. Sometimes it just just be like that. Uh, But overall for the defense, I mean, um, they hold the passing offense of Cincinnati to 83 yards. Uh, No receiver has more than two catches. They do have a 23 and a 20 yard play, uh, including the the touchdown, as you mentioned there. But um, to hold a team, regardless of, of their roster status and how many players are available, but to hold them to seven points, to force what seven sacks. I think it's their second highest total of the season. I mean, just speak to the, just the, the play of those guys and how they were kind of able to elevate, especially considering the circumstances of the last two and a half weeks. I mean, you guys know better than anyone uh, being close to a lot of these guys, what it's been like for them, but what a performance, man. I mean, just, I can't give them enough props. Uh, The the thing, I mean, I was curious. I mean, now that Dan is on the show, I was going to ask him this. Jacob was, uh, the effort, you know, we, us three, we talked about it all the time. It seemed like, you know, those first couple of games, the effort wasn't there, uh, not just from an offensive standpoint or a defensive standpoint, but as a whole. Uh, mm-hmm. Dana, what kind of things, uh, those player-only meetings, uh, D-line meetings where it's just you guys doing it, no Ivy in there, and you're just talking about your effort and things like that, what kind of stuff is said and kind of goes on? during that time period because I feel like we really saw that improvement go on from yeah wouldn't you wouldn't you guys say from Virginia Virginia on it was like relentless effort that was it coach B calling the defense different or was it just guys saying F it I'm gonna go make a play I mean I think just speaking from experience and having played I mean three full seasons there and playing in that 2019 season after our defense was like one of the worst in the history of college (laughs) football um I mean, a lot of it comes down to just simple pride and, you know, not being one, not wanting to be disrespected like that. Like, I mean, 
just seeing the different things that, of course, are said on social media and what they're saying and on the news and what, you know, what you hear other teams are thinking about you. I mean, it just all comes down to pride. And, like, in our players-only meetings, that's exactly what we were talking about. We'd be like, we're not about to let, you know, this offensive tackle just do whatever they wanted to us. That was the one thing about me. If you go back and look in the film, <laughs> I would get into real, real subtle fights. Oh, yeah, your little dog like, fights between. Yeah, I mean, I got street fights. fights between the whistles. Street yeah. fight between the whistles. <laughs> now, hey, look. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, and that was one thing that Coach Ivy was a big, uh, that he, he would say all the time would be like, don't let them have the last touch on you. Don't let them push you. Then, you know, like you hold on to them, you let go when you're ready. They don't let go when they're ready. So it's just kind of that mental state that you're dominating your opponent. And I mean, after the Virginia game, that's what you saw. I and mean, especially in that Cincinnati game, because I definitely I didn't really know. I didn't talk to a bunch of the guys before I was, you know, I'm not trying to butt into their pregame and all that kind of stuff. But I could just see that they play with a chip on their shoulder and with all this mess was sat going to Cincinnati. Brown's gone. You know, D Nick's gone. All these coaches are gone. They just left at a drop of a hat. You know, they play with that chip on their shoulder. They wanted to beat them and they wanted to beat them bad. There was a number of guys on the defense that stepped up. Uh, Vince, you alluded to this throughout the year, even last year at the Air Force game, that guys you don't expect step up in these games. And there's uh, one player in particular I want to call out here, okay? And this is – we've <laughs> talked about him a little bit, uh, but never in this kind of spotlight, and that's Jack Ryger. Jack, Jack Ryger, Ryger. I was hoping that you were going to say Jack Ryger. His own TV show <laughs> on Amazon Prime. He sounds like <laughs> – I know it sounds like Jack Ryan, but Jack Ryger – uh, had arguably his Jadavian Clowney moment in that game, just absolutely <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> lighting up the Cincinnati offensive player. But just speak a little bit before we switch over to the offensive side to guys like Jack Ryger, TJ Quinn, um, you know, just Dar- uh, R- Ramon Purier, Darian Bell. You see these guys in the in the box score who haven't necessarily gotten the snaps this year, but they've stuck around. They've done the little things and now got their opportunity to get out on the field. Um, speak Speak about what it was like for both of you guys to see that. I mean, uh, most of those guys that you just called out or have been or current walk-ons. So, I mean, that's just a – and I was, you know, I was a walk-on. You know, of course, Vince knows this. I got a scholarship, you know, what, after two years. Um, but just that mentality, like Jack, um, he every, – every every practice I saw him, he was just like that – what they used to call it, the game day walk-on. It was like a book that I read there. You got practice walk-ons, you have game day walk-ons. Yeah, where every what practice was Vince? is basically. Vince, again, is he a practice walk-on? Vince again, no, he's okay. not. All right, let's go. Let's no, go. he's not a practice walk-on. I tore my ACL in practice both yeah. times. What do you right, think, Jacob? I know, I know. I see, I'm the opposite. We all know that. All right. But, yeah, I was so excited for Jack, though, um, because I, I'd seen how much hard, how much work he had put into it. Um, and for the most part, he was exclusively, you know, like probably getting in on special teams, just being, what, his second year in there. Um, but to see, I mean, that he played that play perfectly. Like it, when you're chasing the runner from the back end, you're always taught to get depth before, you know, trying to just get to him. You want to get at least two steps up the field. And when you depth get two steps width. up the field, yeah, depth before width. And when you get two steps up the field and you have a crazy play like a reverse, I mean, I'm assuming he was going to pitch that off to the quarterback and he was going to hit a pass. But since he was at that depth, he was able to make a perfect play and lay, you know, that amazing hit on him. My man, Presley Meyer, we got to give him a shout out because we're sitting at the J-Town Beach. We're having some some drinks early in the morning, and this man shows up in full support 
the Riger brother number three, Presley Riger, and his his <laughs> Ry- Mason Riger jersey. He was he was more prepared for that moment than Jack was, and that's saying a lot because Jack <laughs> Jack played his ass off. Uh, Presley, do you just want to take a little bit of credit for for any of that, knowing that you were wearing a jersey? Like they we, we all thought you're his little brother, you know? Like like that's just how the vibe <laughs> yeah. gave off. People definitely ask me all the time, like, are you like a relative or something? I'm like, yeah, you know. <laughs> Just from a from the other side of the family. I played in the nineties. That's what you yeah, should tell. A little it. bit of size difference, uh, you know. They got mom's height. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I got go. I got I, my height. I got my height from mom. So, um, I, I but just, I'm really proud of my little brothers. It, and first of all, Jack is older than Mason. I, I learned that right. the weekend yep. the hard way. I did not know that. Uh, they always they just, always used to go at each other about who's the big brother, who's the little Mason would call him, you know, little brother. Jack would call him little brother. It kept it, got, it went on. Mason Mason is definitely the big brother. And uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't right, know though. I bet Jack can bully him. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about the offense. Um, unless there's anything out, any closing thoughts on the defense? I know we, we've kind of you know, beat a, beat a horse here with a, it, no. the defense was great. I mean, it's just, yeah, I mean, was yeah. it was good. Uh, I feel like I could have lined up on the outside and got a sack in the, in that game. <laughs> like, I don't know. I feel like I would have tried a really like impressive spin move and it would have gotten just like, you would get a guy, you would have got lit. Uh, Dana, what happens whenever you get, you spin back off the tackle and there's a, there's an offensive that, guard waiting right that there. Guard's wait, waiting for you. And what was that? There was that one video on Twitter where the guy spins into the bull. He's yeah. like at a, like a bull, like something and he spins into the bull and bull just absolutely trucks him. Yeah, yeah. I think that may have happened to me a couple <laughs> times. I didn't really, Coach Ivy doesn't like spinning. He all, he hated spinning. Hated all right. Well, speaking of spinning, they had uh, the offense had my head spinning because it was bad throwing the football. Um, and this is by far the worst throwing offense I have seen for Louisville football since uh, last last week. Presley, I, I told you this. I threw my phone at the I didn't throw. I was listening to the show. You couldn't remember who the other quarterback was with Adam Froman, Justin Burke and Adam Froman. Those were the two quarterbacks. This is the worst passing offense since that year. Two thousand, I think, seven or eight. But Doman does what he needs to do. They, he wins games, you know. He's it's just a Brock party all the time. Brock Sober, like he just yeah. shows up. He just he, wins games. That's it's what not you pretty. do. Uh, the offense, though, not 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 uh, at all what you would expect. 132 yards passing. He does throw the one touchdown pass to Marshawn Ford, which I'd love to see him getting a walk off touchdown to end his career with Louisville after mm-hmm. being a touchdown machine uh, for the first year of his career there. Uh, but th- you know they they throw the two picks, one of which from Braden Smith uh, on the trick play. But uh, Vince, talk a little bit about the offense as we wrap up the segment here you know that's dana you know Braden. i mean that's so on par for Braden smith to throw an interception for his last career game as a wide receiver i mean if right. you guys knew Braden, you wouldn't know how like perfect that is but uh <laughs> the fumble at the beginning you know got to give jaws a shout out that was not his fault that was on nope. brock that situation is always on the quarterback quarterback is making the decision there uh you could tell brock hold it the last second for whatever reason uh the long touchdown play that uh Jawar had you know it was a great day for us us on the podcast here with our two athletes Isaac Martin and Jawar Jordan that's right uh, the backfield Isaac, representing us well that's Isaac right. oh, had yeah. a phenomenal block. The block was a wham block and he has the backside inside linebacker every single time on that 
Yeah, and, and just real quick, I, I, I sent a letter to the NCAA, and I told them that uh, the first two years for Isaac, at least the first year, it's not fair. Bobby was here. We need one more year, and they're looking <laughs> into it. Just so the, the official waiver for yeah. Isaac's ninth yeah. year has been submitted. I just want to make sure. And we've paid for the cost of that. I don't you know talked what to that Shelby is, on that one? Shelby's <laughs> you know, I've got the button. One more year, Shelby. One more year. All right, let's go on. So that block sprung the long play that Jawar had right there. It was awesome to see both our guys uh, – you know, compliment each other well. That's why we recruited them to join the team. They compliment each other very well. Uh, it was also, uh, you know, that play by Ford, guys. It was a, you know, Ford set it up with the high school Harry block that we like to, oh, love to talk about on oh this. Oh, my God. This. It was so Set good. him up, stuck it on the outside, but, you know, Ford didn't keep drifting with it. He saw the open space right there, and he just sat down. And I'm this, convinced this. no team watches film of Marshawn Ford. Like I'm convinced because he I, I does know, it the, once every game where he runs the fakest route into like a block and then he's gone and there's no one near him. I love it. He is so good at that and no one has picked it up and they never will. Yeah. I would yeah. live in infamy now, <laughs> but both uh, the, the ball Brock threw was dumb as hell. I don't know why he threw that. And the one Braden threw uh, was also dumb. I don't know why he threw that. He should have threw it away. That's what he's taught. Every single time it was a heads up play by him, though, on the reverse pat on the first reverse pass they tried to run mm-hmm. where he stuck a foot in the ground, got upfield and got some yards on it. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I was happy with that. Uh, offensively, it was just garbage throughout the day. Uh, thank God we had our two running backs and uh, Jawar and uh, Turner. I mean, Turner's going to be a good, really good for us next year. I'm happy. They're, they're uh, both going to be spectacular. Yeah, yeah, we, are, we are blessed. Yeah. It, it sucks mm-hmm. losing Ruben but I'm okay with what we have. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's not the end of the world. No, because but, I feel uh, like, I mean, I know he only played, uh, you know, I think two and a half quarters. He had nine carries, Jawar Jordan, nine carries, 115 yards, 98% of that in the first half. He has proven all year long that he is the guy. Like every time Satterfield or, you know, whoever tried to give it to somebody else to be tie on, whether it be um, Trevion Cooley, at the end of the day, it just kept coming back to Mr. Consistency and Jawar Jordan. Mm -hmm. I mean, and just time and time again. And he runs so much like Blau Powell, Brandon Radcliffe. Like he just, he runs angry. Like, I don't know, Dana, if you agree with that analysis or not, but he just, like, he is just, I don't know. I, I can't even put into words what kind of running back he's become after last year during the Air Force game. They're saying on the air that he wanted to transfer just two or three weeks before that game. I yeah, mean, it's just crazy. He thank uh, God Dana, he didn't, man. Yeah, Dana, yeah, you, 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 you went against him in practice. What uh, What's it like trying to tackle him? Is he, uh, I don't know, a stout runner? Is it just low center of gravity coming up onto you, kind of like a bullet? Or or is it uh, in that stretch being able to read it well? I feel like that's yeah. a, you know, an underrated part of Stick a foot in the ground, get north and south. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be totally honest with you. I went up against so many running backs that almost all <laughs> much together. Um, but what I was going to say, though, uh, what Jawar kind of reminds me like, he kind of gives me a little bit of a Hassan Paul vibes. And the way that he the way that he runs, they yeah. got pretty much the same speed. They're great, you know, returners on the on the kickoff team on the kickoff return. I think that he he does remind me a little bit of the song. But yeah, I I, I can't even tell you. I don't know. <laughs> blame it on CTE. You just blame it on CTE. Yep, that's why I say everything. that's not a first yeah. on this show. That's yeah, not a first. How, how about Mo Turner though? I mean, this kid. He, he's a freshman. Shoot. He's five yeah. foot nine, Ooh, nice. 165, yeah, he, 186 pounds. He was on scout team for you, wasn't he? 
No, I think man, he's a freshman this he's year. He's a bro. true freshman, man. Oh, this, really? This kid, yeah, and that's nah, the thing. He wasn't there when I was there. Under Sat, I mean, you know, there's a handful of, of freshmen. Presley, you know, I'm sure you could do the, the scouring of the web to give us the data on those freshmen, but he's only played a handful of freshmen consistently. Like, got in, you know, I mean, in terms of like being heavily in the rotation, constantly on the field. Now, there was no other running backs. It was Jawar Maurice and Grant Goodman who shout out to the white running back. I'm sorry. I just, I have to say it. Like, shout out to the white running back. It's like a uh, last chance. It's always you. great I'm, to I'm see rocking it. Mark. Oh, he's rocking with, rocking with Grant. He's rocking Grant's with rocking with us. Hey, I, that I was, I can't even it, lie. Man. That was me in the freaking running back room. Whenever I was a fullback with Reggie Bonifon, <laughs> Malik Williams, Tobias Little, all those guys. Yeah, but <laughs> that's how Kobe Smith did me. <laughs> Jawar had, or excuse me, Mo Turner had 31 carries, 160 yards. I mean, you know, that's a that's a pretty heavy day for any running back. But he just, I mean, he was just Marshawn Lentz running through their face over and over and over and over again. Yeah. How much fun was it for you guys to watch that? Man, so much, so much fun. Uh, I, I'm, of course, I'm a defensive guy, so I don't really have you know a lot of love for the offensive side. I'm just worried about the defensive side. Uh, but you when can't I do, score points by yourself. Oh, yeah. I mean, unless you're getting strip sacks, and you know, that's a pretty quick point. Uh, but anyway, uh, if I had to pick my favorite position, like if I had to if I had to wish that I was a position on offense, I would wish that I was a running back because like, yeah. I just I, I like running backs. I, I don't know. It's just thing, that's always been my thing. The thing that I noticed uh, throughout that game that really helped with Jawar and Mo getting those yards uh, was the offensive line, obviously, but uh, right. the second-level blocking from the wide receivers. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't see that a lot of times. Uh, you didn't even see it with us consistently throughout the season, but uh, mm -hmm. Sat like to say it, I mean, and it's pretty obvious, those blocks downfield are what springs those big runs. Uh, I mean, it's not easy, but you can you can block a defensive lineman or a linebacker, but blocking that second level, that moving safety, that moving corner who's already running uh, is, is really hard. So those were some of the things that helps to spring those long runs, although you could have drove oh. a truck through half those freaking holes that we had on. Saturday. Right. Yeah. Wasn't there one of the long runs where he ran out, out of bounds on the Cincinnati sideline that one of the wide receivers was blocking the hell? I don't want yeah. the defensive backs. I think yeah. did he put him on his on his ass. Yeah, it was I either Bell, did. it was either Chris Bell or Jalen Carter. One of Jaylen. those two. Those That's two guys. Those two guys love to fucking block. Those, I know, speaking oh, of yeah. seniors going out, how about Jalen Carter for the first time in his career leading the team in receiving yards? Like that's, I mean, dude, you go back to 2019 in that bowl game, you had what Devonte Pete caught a touchdown, Kane pass returns of yeah. interception, yeah. you you got TJ yeah. Hole making some kind of big tackle. Like these guys that you don't hear of until the bowl game. It's just, yeah. it's crazy to see those two things. You know, kind of bookend Scott Satterfield's career beginning and end as seniors kind of leading. The way, uh, you know, uh, overall, let's talk a little bit, uh, Vince. Is there, sorry, I, I've kind of hijacked the segment here for the sake of keeping the train rolling. But is there anything else on the offense that you want to call out from the running game to uh, the passing game to play calling from Josh Step? Is there anything? To kind no, of I do wish that? we. I wish Brom would find some kind of role for Josh Step and uh, Mark Ivy. Mark Ivy's a no brainer. I know. I know. We. I know. <laughs> we've already. How? Him. Here's my thing. Is how? Like I saw I some know. people kind of talk I about this. Know. Does he coach I mean, anything else? I mean, nope. I would. I don't know. I'd make him the strength and conditioning coach, and just. I mean, <laughs> I, he, I coached, I, <laughs> he coached. He uh, coached offensive line, but that was a long just, time. Just ago. pay him to show up. 
Yeah, just, I mean, he's, just I think up. I saw Keith Wynn talking about that occasionally programs will have, a, you know, like they have an inside-outside linebacker. Inside, outside. Have an inside yeah. yeah, defensive end, yeah. defensive tackle coach. So maybe yeah. there's an opportunity there. Um, I just I, mean, I love I that he's not – it doesn't seem like he's going to Cincinnati, and that that's the best part. Like, yeah. I would love to see him go to App State as the defensive coordinator. Like, oh, that's I, what, I, I mean, like that's that what I tweeted. Perfect fit. Oh, that's, see, that's perfect. I was it's like, like I don't, he should there, but, get a D.C. He should get a DC job after that play con. Like, wasn't Dale Jones? Dale Jones retired, and I'm pretty sure he was yeah, at App State. It seems yeah. like a shoe in fit for Sean Clark. He could, there. but I won't say exactly all the information. But I know that he wants, like, I've heard that he wants to stay here. Like that. Well, yeah, I mean, both of, his you know, daughter, both his daughters go. Yeah. I think one, one or both of them goes to UVL. So I mean, I'm sure. Yeah, that's yeah. playing a big factor in what. You know, he spends a lot of time at each. Like he's not like the new ages of coaches that kind of like pop in here, 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 here. Like he spent I don't know how many years coaching at high school level. I think he's saying he's not like set. (laughs) Speaking of which, all right. So that will conclude Vince's game notes here. Um, absolutely great stuff. I love that uh, defensive technique and uh, you know the different blitzes. That's what the show is all about. Like this. Perfect. We'll put it in the promos for the show right there. Just them talking about <laughs> gaps and stuff. Uh, See, all we need, all we need is a board and you know good recording, <laughs> and we can get your whole damn. Or yeah. like, I, I'm just not stepping out of bounds on, you know, on the goal line or anything like that. I don't make dumb mistakes. Yeah, we need to talk to the owners of State of Louisville and get uh, some more budget here. We'll, we'll see know, how what that are we goes. Doing? Yeah, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. <laughs> uh, but one final uh, sack update for the year. Uh, Dana, the, our weekly segment here, Jacob's sack update, where we dive into who is leading the team in sacks. Um, and guys, we're going to ca- we're going to crown a, a sack king today. That's what we're going to do. And uh, the battle, it looked like it was won for the longest time by Yasir Abdullah. Um, and Yaya made it a fight. He went down to the final mm-hmm. drive of the season. Um, and we will crown Yasir Abdullah the sack king with nine and a half sacks. For the second year in a row, he leads the team in sacks. But uh, Yaya Diaby nipping right at his heels, nine sacks on the season. Um, it's just a, an impressive feat by the team here. Seven more sacks. They, they uh, total Ashton finishes with seven overall. You have Monty uh, with six. Yeah, uh, Momo Sonogo with four and a half. Jared Dawson gets another one on the game to get him to two and a half. Des Tell uh, with two. Ramon Purier with one and a half. So overall, the team finishes with a program tying 50 sacks, right? Presley, I know you have the number there. Program tying all time high 50 sacks. Uh, impressive. So congratulations to Yasir Abdullah. I predicted Jermaine Lillet was going to be the leading sack uh, getter on the year. Way off. Yeah, we were, I, I meant to go back yeah. today and look at that uh, and re-listen and see where we were at with predictions. Don't bet uh, your money against Yasir. Yeah, I know. Oh, I know. And, and look, he got out to a slow start. I don't think he got his first sack until week yeah. three against South Florida. Uh, he could have had 12, 13, 14 sacks. Um, And here's the thing. I've been looking at NFL draft updates just as we've kind of been finishing the season. We'll obviously do an NFL draft show as we get closer to April, but I still don't see him listed on any draft. I mean, he's going to go to the combine. He's going to run what, like a four, four 40, just, you know, he's going to get an invite. He didn't get a senior bowl invite either. Yeah. I thought he he did. Did he not get a senior bowl? Yeah. Who's the the senior that got the invite? Is it Caleb? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Who? 
Yeah, yeah, wow, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, surprising, yeah. man. Yep. That's really yeah. surprising. So, Dana, we've had TP and Derek both on, and they've told us what made Yasir such a special player. What What's your opinion on Yasir, and what makes him so uh, such a great athlete out there? I mean, at the size that he is, to be able to move his speed and his uh, flexibility, his bend is unreal. I mean, it's, it's NFL level. It really is. Like he doesn't really have to hit all these crazy, you know, hand pass rushing moves. He just runs and bends the hoop and beats a guy just because he's a better athlete. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's what makes you see. I mean, he's a track, he, what he ran track back in high school. I did not know that. Jump. That's incredible. Uh, I think he ran under 11 second, hundred meter, I believe. Yeah, I'm not, I can't say that, man. If he gets invited to the combine, like mark my words right now, he's going to be one of the winners of the NFL combine. 100%. Oh, yeah. People will be talking oh. about like Dez was in 2019 or in 2020 in the draft, like after, you know, he had those strong workouts uh, mm-hmm. or the strong senior bowl. Yasir Abdullah will go and be one of the MVPs of the underwear Olympics. Oh, like that's 100%. And yeah. he'll go there and he'll look good in that shit too, man. Like his body is built to be at the combine. 100%, man. He's like playing in that one in Florida, the, it's like a tropical logo. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, saw uh, that. I don't know what it is, uh, what, what the name of official name of it is, but it's in Orlando. I mean, you're, 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 yeah. I think it's in Orlando. You're going to have seven sacks in that game. Yeah. You're, you're having yeah. a serious dude from out there pin is going to be blocking yeah. him on the right Come side on. of the offensive line. Like no <laughs> he, shot. Yeah. John Mikowski, who is a four-year graduate from Penn University, is going to block his serve duel. He's, no he's going to yeah. have some. He's going to have some tackle from Moorhead State out there blocking him. And it's yeah, that's good. what I'm saying, man. But uh, <laughs> overall, I mean, I think Yasir and Yaya both earned themselves. Um, I think Yaya is going to end up being probably one of the. I mean, I I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up being a, a second, third, fourth round. He's got the size that you want from a defensive line position uh, in the NFL at six five, two eighty, two ninety, whatever he is. The, the just the athletic, you know just the ability to do what he does. Um, and from a defensive line perspective, um, Dana, we talked about this for the last couple of years, it's been hard for the defensive line to generate sacks. You know, you guys had, nope. uh, you know, I know you had a couple of e- in each of the years that you played and uh, other guys like Jared Dawson and Gigi and uh, you know, some of the other guys, Imani Caban, they, they've mm-hmm. had their, their, they, you know, they've had their moments, but this defensive line, uh, with Yaya getting nine sacks, and then you have guys like Des Tell, uh, Jared Dawson, and um, you know a, a few of the other guys. Yeah, Ashton, Mason Riger, a lot of these defensive linemen just constantly getting into the backfield. How how proud were you as a former yeah. uh, teammate of them to watch them play? And and also we we've said we said this throughout the year. Derek Dorsey predicted this like Houdini years ago, yeah. uh, months we and were, months ago. He said dude, that the defensive line was going to be. Say? That he said this was literally like a month after last year. He said, "Mark my words, next year the defensive line is going to be the X factor for Louisville football." I Bro, mean, we got off that. Yeah. We got off that record more. Like, like man, man, what's he smoking? Nah. Yeah, he's on some other shit. Yeah, y'all, y'all didn't know about how much of a beast Ashton really is. Like Ashton, yeah, yeah. I mean, Des Desto is great too, but then Mason, uh, Mason Riger. I mean, he was probably the one who made, in my time on the defensive line, in my time there, the biggest transition. It just like you look at him when he very first got there versus now, totally different person, totally different person. Like he's played phenomenal. But like you, when you were asking me about how how did I feel, I just tell you this: my fiance, she kept telling me like, "You need to be quiet. We have 
we have apartment neighbors because <laughs> I would get up and I would jump and I would because I you know that's just how we are, right, Vince? Like yeah. whenever I'm on the sidelines in the game, like I'm going nuts. I'm going insane for the offense, for the defense, yeah. like especially yeah. when one of my guys gets a sack. Um, but yeah, man, I mean that was seeing Mason get the sacks. The what he got one sack on the year. Uh, but, I mean, he was getting pressure and he was getting good rushes, but especially yeah. Yaya yeah. and Ashton. Um, the one that yeah. was uh, wild for me to see the progression, and I'm sure it was for you too, Dana, was Jared Dawson. I mean, to, he went yeah. from not not seeing the field at all, really, to from being a scout team player to having, you know, not the yeah. best effort and things like that to all of a sudden he's playing meaningful minutes and yeah. you know, meaningful minutes – he might not have made a lot of tackles or plays, but I mean, he did his job, and that's yeah, really all you can ask him for a guy that knows like that. The moment that I realized that, because for one, Jared Dawson is incredibly gifted. He is yeah. super powerful, like very strong. One of the more strong, you know, yep. they don't call him big nuts for nothing, <laughs> right? They call he, that's that's from Coach Ivy. He calls him big nuts. Um, but uh, the, the moment that I realized exactly how powerful this man was was in the Boston College game in 2020. I can't, I can't remember exactly what he did, but I, I'm pretty sure he just, like, completely overpowered the center. Like, damn near broke his back or something. It was something crazy. And we were watching it in the film. And I was like, damn, if he could just play hard like Coach Ivy, you know, Coach Ivy makes us chase the ball all the way 40 yards down the field. But if he could just do that, for at least a week, he'll travel. He'll play. But some guys, they, they, that's kind of difficult. So, yeah. all right, uh, man, it's crazy. Louisville is eight and five. They get to that eight win mark that uh, many expected that they would get to, which is crazy considering where they were uh, heading into the Virginia game just weeks ago. Um, overall, on the season, they finished with with some numbers that really kind of. Um, round out what Brian Brown was hired to come in here and do. They finished first in the nation, assuming that some of the teams ranked behind them don't have better performances in bowl games. First in sacks with 50 sacks this year. Uh, they finished eighth in team tackles for loss with 97 overall tackles for loss. I think uh, switching back over here to this, the team stats, I think it's uh, Yaya, or excuse me, Yasir led with 15 and a half tackles for loss on the year. Turnovers gained, they finished tied for first with 30 turnovers gained. Uh, red zone defense, they're 12th, uh, stopping opponents 74% of the time. I mean, it's stuff like that that just – I know that um, over the years there's been the bugaboos with uh, big plays and not being able to stop the run, not being able to to tackle at the first um, – you know, at the first gathering at the ball. And uh, this year, kudos to them, man. They they did what they had to do to to really kind of take that next step. Uh, they could have been better in a lot of ways, and if you look at the season, Louisville really could have gone into bowl the bowl game with ten wins. If you if you really, you know, go back, yep. go back and break down that Florida Bro, State and Boston think about, game. Think about what mm. situation we're sitting in right now. Who's our head coach right now? If we have ten wins, Scott Satterfield is still the head coach. Scott he's, got, he's got a four year extension. He doesn't get. Yep. There's no more talk about anything else because. They're playing in, you know, they're playing in a New Year's Six type bowl or, you know, close to it. I mean, it's crazy. He just beat it's Boston College. Yeah. He has his Syracuse or Doesn't that just sound Zay Flowers, Zay Flowers put the nail in Scott Satterfield's coffin. You know, that's just how how it went on that snowy day in in Chestnut Hill, Massachusetts. 
But wow. let's step away real quick. Uh, we're going to take a break. And on the other side, we'll come back. I want to have a, just a little bit of a conversation with uh, with Dana to talk about Scott Satterfield's departure, the hiring of Jeff Brom, <sighs> being a local guy, what he thinks there. I know he's got some thoughts. Uh, and then we're going to talk just a little bit about signing day. The early signing period opens on Wednesday for Louisville uh, and the rest of the teams across the country. There's a lot happening. The roster movement is fast and furious. The transfer portal is the craziest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Like it just absorbs human beings and spits them out in another location. It's, it's like the tornado in the wizard of Oz. Like it's just, it's a, that's a transfer portal these days. Uh, so we'll dive into that, see what Louisville's done over the weekend. Cause they had a big recruiting weekend. Uh, and you know, we'll see, it seems like this class is going to be held up, but, uh, before we jump into the break, Currents Corner, our good friends of the show, we ask that you support them. Check them out over in the Highlands, as Presley alluded to last week. That dollar sign amount on, on Google Reviews, that's that's telling for what type of environment and atmosphere you're about to step into. They are not only a place where you can afford your beer and have several of them responsibly and do so without breaking the bank during these trying times, but you can also have some chili that's not Matt McGavick cooked, which we would never wish that upon anyone who listens to this show. Uh, but you can enjoy some chili, some burgers and a great place where you can watch sports current corner over in the highlands check them out we'll be right back on the other side all right guys let's talk about uh scott satterfield because um his goofy ass got put on the middle of of the game Ooh. after he said i remember i quoted this a couple weeks ago he he in his press conference he's like this is a very awkward situation. I don't want any part of this. I will not be at that game. And so what does Scott Satterfield do when he desperately needs attention from all of Louisville's recruits who he knows are watching? <clears throat> Let me get on here and make a yep. fool of myself by talking about how I recruited two guys over the weekend. Um, Dana, what, what was just your <laughs> overall reaction when Scott, uh, you know, the news was announced that he was leaving and then the kind of aftermath of – um, you know, not having, n- not kind of stepping up to the plate and having his actions meet his words over the years and, and alerting the right. team and all those things. Just give me your your overall raw emotions of those moments. Yeah, so I'll tell you what, when I found out. I woke up uh, for work. It was like eight eight o'clock in the morning. And TP, we have like our little group chat still um, with just the kind of the older guys. And TP just sends a screenshot of the ESPN thing. Scott Satterfield leaving Louisville heading to Cincinnati. And I was like, what the hell? I was just saying, like, I was – no, I, I mean, it came from like, ESPN. I thought it was like, fake. I, like, I, I like – I mean, I, I thought – I mean, I was just like – this. I was like, it can't be real. But, I mean, knowing how he was with the whole South Carolina, you know, debacle and that whole situation, yeah, I mean, I knew, I knew that one day he would leave. I knew that one day he would leave or he'd get fired. Um. But just for him to go to Cincinnati, just you know, two hours away, and it's it's Cincinnati. Like, come on now. Like, uh, but after I saw that, after TP sent that text, I was like, oh my god, I got to go to Twitter. Went to Twitter, <laughs> and of course, Twitter is just freaking out at eight a.m. And I'm like, and it was well, that was on a Monday, yeah, and yeah, for my yeah. work, Monday is is my busiest day. Like, I have to go to what eighteen stores, and eleven of them are in the downtown area. So I'm like, how in the world am I going to be able to focus on my job? Um, or maybe it was a Wednesday. I can't remember. It was on Monday. Oh, it was but a anyway, Monday. It was a Monday. I was sick as a dog. Okay. Yeah, I was so okay, sick. Okay, there you go. And then Brom got hired on that Wednesday, right? Was it Wednesday of that week? Wednesday, or Thursday. There, there yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. It was pretty it was obvious that, that it was coming. happening. Press yeah. conference was Thursday. Because okay. that was also a difficult day with work because I was so excited. 
but uh but yeah no my raw emotions um <clears throat> like i said in my tweet which my tweet got way more traction than i thought it would i was just you know yeah, kind of just tweeting my feelings uh well yours was you know you were going at him i know uh, i told vince you need to drop the link to the show in the response like people do on twitter when their comments blow up like sorry yeah. i didn't realize this was gonna blow up subscribe to the show yeah but my main my main feeling about it was just that you know of course i'm in a different position than most of the other players being a former walk-on the guy you know he gave me a scholarship um but just all the stuff that he preached and the loving on players and you know and all the all the different things that he'd say he'd always say don't worry about the outside noise don't read on twitter you know all social media is negative blah blah blah, blah. um but it lies. really felt it's like lies. <laughs> really felt like uh Louisville twitter Louisville fan base ran him the hell out of Louisville real quick yeah That's what it seems like so yeah. you know you're not you're not backing up what you're saying so i'm i'm pissed about it i don't really care for the guy anymore. I mean, I'm, I'm going to tell you this, Cincinnati, just wait till a job opens up in Carolina. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. He's he's gone before you even figure it out. Like, so, yeah, my gone. thing, my, let me ask you, how, how did you feel about the way that last meeting, a Zoom meeting instead of an in-person? Well, hold on. Let's, let's, I want to throw out one thing here. So before a lot of the details really haven't come out and I don't think a lot of people necessarily have paid attention, but Will Clark from 840 WHAS put an open records request for Scott Satterfield's email. He resigned on Sunday night at around 11.05, 11.10, and the news came out on on Monday morning. So there was plenty of time. Uh, and you guys are oh, yeah. 22, 21, 8. You're up at midnight. He could have Dude, easily call a sent meeting a on this. This this shit yeah, was six, talked about seven, on eight, Saturday. Eight, you could yeah. have sent a teamworks meeting on Saturday night, and you then you know damn well everybody would have been at that meeting at one o'clock on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Easy, simple. Like uh you said it was it was eleven o'clock on Sunday, is whenever he he officially resigned. Yeah. And I have heard and I don't want to, you know, I, I've heard that that there was a request to speak to the team from Scott Satterfield, but potentially that request yeah, was did. denied uh, from someone well. higher up. So I just want to throw that out that, that I had a problem that. with it as well. But I just I wish that he would have. Did I you, just wish that they would if he wanted to speak to the team, they yeah. would have given him the opportunity to do so. I feel like it might have been yeah. different. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm not to I, I don't defend what he did, but I'm just saying right. if he did ask and was denied, then that's a different story. Now, right. That's unconfirmed. Right. Which, I don't I don't know. I had I had heard that too. I can't remember who told me that, but it was I think it wasn't from anybody that was inside of the program, like none of my guys, because I talked to, you know, a handful of my guys about about uh like you know i asked him like how do y'all feel about sat because that was really the one thing before like i really wanted to solidify kind of how all in i was going with the situation i was just like you know how y'all feel about sat and they're all just like you know screw him like what he zoomed calls us because he had already talked to the cincinnati fleet uh players he already made like he's already over there wearing bearcat and everything he can't tell us that beforehand like i did I know how college football works, and I remember when, you know, Petrino got fired and different defensive coordinators and all kinds of mess. They can call up a meeting at any time. Now, if it's true that he wasn't kept – he was kept out of the facilities, then that's different. But I highly doubt that, in my opinion. Yeah, I, is, I think he got that – I think he sent that, you know, at 11, like a uh, – I don't. I, I don't know. To well, kind you, of you, avoid avoid the confrontation with Josh until the next morning. Well, 
okay so here's how the corporate world works right when you put when you leave you go in and you have a conversation with your boss usually face to face and you say i'm gonna leave this job and then they say okay for hr purposes you need to send an email telling us you're resigning so i think at that point that conversation who knows from josh Hurd's yeah. perspective maybe he knew four hours earlier and that email didn't come until late in the evening. There was definitely yeah. enough time. Look, I don't want to. I don't want to say that Deion Sanders is like the poster child of how you handle leaving a team because it's a completely mm-hmm. different circumstance. It's like, up there. It is, but like right. he represents in that moment HBCUs more than he does uh, football. Uh, Jackson State, in my opinion, he represents yeah. that the, the entire country is judging mm-hmm. HBCUs based off of his actions because he is at this point the face of this kind of right. revitalization of those programs. But he handled his everything with class, like from the telling them, like I still st- I love the way he addressed it. You either get elevated or you get terminated. Like that's a mm-hmm. very real conversation. Yes, we we can shit on him. There was a lot of bad moments. But, you know, and maybe you all feel differently, but he did do a lot for keeping them from going into a complete torpedo into becoming mm-hmm. Kansas football or, uh, <laughs> you know, just uh, the name, the random pretty bad in 18. <laughs> yeah, y'all were, like historically bad, you know, look yeah, at at least we only had the, the one year of Kansas football, 2018, right, Kansas right. football team. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm very like, like Dana said earlier, like, I'm, I'm very thankful for him. Uh, and the opportunities that he provided for me and things like that. But uh, I just thought more of him as a man that he would, uh, they they always talk about finding a way, find a way to do this, find a way to do that, find a way to get off of blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Find a way. You you find a way to address your team and you find a way to be a man about the situation and handle it better. And uh, who knows that things might not have been handled correctly behind the scenes with, with the higher ups. And that could have been why he didn't get let it let back in. Yeah, and and also consider that last year, like, because of administrative issues higher than him, like, he was expecting one day for his keypad to not work anymore. (laughs) Like, he was just going to show up, and when it didn't, he just squatted and said, okay, I'm the head coach. Like, it is what it is. They're not firing me. Let's move on. But this year, no matter whether they be – I mean, we were – we. I'm Dana, I'm sure you were there for the Wake Forest win. Like – yeah. We could have all brought 50 friends each, all everybody there, and we still wouldn't have filled the stadium. Like all, yeah. all 10,000 of us. Like, I mean, it was just yeah. ridiculous how there was no fan support. And that moment, mm-hmm. you know, with that win, I I said to everyone around me, he's going to get extended because he's done all these things. But if you look at the fan support, it would have taken him going to the college football playoff to win the majority yeah. back. I mean, he lost yeah. it. Because he just, at the end of the day, his uh, by golly shucks mentality, just eventually the actions caught up to it to show that it wasn't genuine. I don't know. I, I feel bad not calling him genuine. I don't know him like that. Um, but now tell me, let's let's transition to talking about Jeff Brom. You're a local guy. I'm sure you mm-hmm. you enjoy coaches who want to make the local scene a priority. So tell me yep. uh, the juxtaposition you were in from Monday to then go into uh, doing your job on Wednesday. You talked about being excited. Tell me what that Wednesday was like and what that's been like since, um, you know, with him being hired and now the momentum really kind of shifting around. Yeah, so at once, of course, you know, as soon as Coach Satterfield was gone and, you know, after about that two hours of being super pissed, you're thinking, oh, Brom. <laughs> like, that's the, that's the first coach that comes to your mind. Um, and back in 2019, you know, I, I had hoped for Brom because – um, in high school, I went to a summer camp down there, and uh, it was funny. Coach Barclay, the running back coach that's now at Louisville, uh, he was my recruiter. They didn't really – I'm not going to say they recruited me. I mean, he texted me, you know, kind of some here and there. 
Um, not a whole lot of interest. Um, but whenever I saw that, I saw on Twitter that he was coming too. I like looked at my phone and I was like, oh man, I got this dude's number. There's Coach Barclay. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but super, super excited with Brom. Um, I mean, yeah, me being a local guy on the Indiana side of Louisville, what I call it. Um, uh, yeah, super excited just to have somebody who cares about the program, knows what this team means to this community, which I always thought that was the big disconnect with Coach Sat. Um, with us, you know, of course, state of Kentucky, we don't have any pro teams. The two teams is Louisville and Kentucky, UK. Um, he, I don't think he'd ever really get exactly how it was down here. Um, but, yeah, Braun, I, I mean, you know, Vince saw me at the introductory press conference. I mean, I was geeked up. I was excited. I mean, I'm now I think what was it the day that he got officially announced? <laughs> my mom calls me. She's like, uh, can you talk to somebody in the athletic department? We want to get season tickets. My parents have never had season tickets. So I'm like, oh, you're buying well, they one. Got two, uh, uh, they got two for free. Yeah, they for, got two free tickets for, for five, five years. Right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I forget about that. I'm talking, yeah, yeah, you're right. They did get season tickets. Yeah, but they got to pay for them this time. Yeah, yeah they got to pay for them yeah, this time. Sorry, you got to pay for them this time. Maybe get but, a discount. Who knows? Um, Presley, we're now – you know, a, a couple of uh, it feels like a couple of weeks removed, but it's just been, you know, a week and a half. Jeff Brom's traveled to California. Jeff Brom has traveled to Trinity. Jeff Brom has taken the roundabout through Jeffersonville and gone to the Red Yeti. Jeff Brom has done everything that you could ask for to really kind of show like I'm the guy for the job. So what is just, you know, we, we do this like a hundred day out reaction, but what is just your initial reaction to how well he's done? I mean, it's so obvious. He just like, he just gets what Satterfield didn't get. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, of all the talk that we've had about Kenny Payne, um, you know, this, this is kind of what Louisville fans expected to happen with the basketball team. And granted the situation that, that the two coaches are walking into, um, you know, it's not fair to do, do an app, apples to apples comparison, um, but you know, this is what fans ex- expect when you bring in a guy like Brom, you know, a guy who, who's connected, he truly cares about the program. Uh, you know, not, not that a Kenny Payne doesn't or, or any, any other coach that takes over for their program, but, uh, th- this is why you bring a coach back like this, because, you know, you know, that he's going to take extra care of the program because it, he stakes his reputation on it. Like this is his hometown. This is where his entire family played and coached. Like he has just. This is this is home, like truly home. Uh, and and so it's um, I, I think that, you know, he's staking his legacy on this. And so he's hit the ground running. Uh, and, and I, you know, we, we knew that a lot of these players were going to we're going to hang on just because of the, the nature of NIL and, and uh, just the way that, that things work these days. It's not like they had to start over with a clean slate like Scott Satterfield did after uh, after Petrino left. Uh, however, um, I would say he's done an excellent job. I mean, it sounds like, you know, most of the, the kids from Bosco uh, were going to kind of jump ship. Uh, and it sounds like he's yeah, what they at call least, it the Sunday massacre. And that what they, yeah, I, I don't know who reported that, but I, I've heard that a few times. Uh, so, so Bosco actually just put out a press release uh, for, for signing day on Wednesday and Aaron Williams and Pierce Clarkson are both signing with U of L according to the press to the press release. Pierce Clarkson as, a, as an early, early enrollee. Um, DeAndre Moore says to be announced, so that's not good. 
No, it, it might as well just say not Louisville. Like <laughs> we yeah. might as well oh, just yeah. do, do that to me. Um, let's just call a spade a spade. He's still well committed right now. Not not do that to me. No. And so well, so the other one too is is uh, Jaleel McLean is not even listed. Um, so you know he's he seems like he's a pretty solid Louisville commit, but it doesn't look like he's even going to sign. Um, so that'll be an interesting thing to watch. Uh, however, I mean. When you look at the, the transfer portal right now, uh, Louisville's already landed a guy from Baylor, a guy from uh, from um, Stanford, a guy from Penn State, and a guy from Arkansas in the transfer portal. And there's more to come. Uh, it, and not only are they just are they guys from you know Power Five programs, but these are uh, three starters uh, and and a guy in Roddy McGraw from from Penn State who looks like he freaking ate Yaya Diaby. So like <laughs> that boy's big. He's, he's, a, he's a big boy. He's listed as 6'5", 255, but no, nah, he's not that. He's, it, big, he's bigger than that. Here's what I said a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about the recruiting is that he, Jeff Brom, for the last several years at Purdue, has gone out and each year he's gotten a guy from Florida, Auburn, uh, Penn State, Texas. Like he recruits every Power Five conference. And not that it's a bad thing, but we're getting guys from, you know, the last couple of years from – uh, Lehigh and you know uh, from Central Arkansas Alcorn and it just State. kind of yeah it just kind of shows the difference um, in the ability to recruit a full roster you know what I mean from top to bottom and have guys that are power five capable um, at all positions and uh, I just gotta say like we're all excited about Miles Slusher because that's a dope name uh, Devin <laughs> Lee, two safeties. Like I've, I've been reading up and it seems like Louisville's going to play with five defensive backs on the field, just about at all times. Um, so it seems like they're going to kind of load up there, but, uh, for me, it's, it's Steven Heron, like the, the, the significance that he, um, kind of means to Jeff Brom. And I, I, I Presley, we talked about this several years ago with David Johnson and Chris Mack. David Johnson was a bigger a bigger signal of a bigger bigger message sender because of his reconfirmation right how about that I mean, god what but, are the odds of that well, yeah. from, <laughs> steven is from indiana okay he's from new albany i played okay steven. exit one on Sherman, you have a good first hand first the first hand account of Steven, I believe you guys trained at Aspiration Gym together yep. uh, back in high school. I'm obviously plenty of things have changed since then, but what kind of yep. football player are we expected to be getting? He definitely, if I had to characterize him, I'd say hard nose. He was very aggressive. Um, he was, uh, he, uh, I'm trying to think, I can't even remember watching him really play, but as far as him training, he was always a great athlete. He was really strong. Um, but I figured that he was going to come back to Louisville being a grad transfer, wanting to come back home. Uh, but I was excited for him because he definitely has the ability. He has the length. He has the size uh, to be able to, you know, be a big contributor here. Um, I'm trying to think who I could really compare him to in the last recent years. But is he a stand-up or is he going to be in the hand in the dirt? Depends on who's coaching. Yeah. So, I mean, if you look at – I forget their defensive line coach's name, but if you look Mark at kind of how they play – Yeah, Mark Hagan. It's typically – it's very similar to Brian Brown in that it's typically three down linemen and then like an edge rusher. Um, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, they'll yeah, typically have – I think he's going to play a little bit of both, to be honest with you. I think I think he would be better at, at the stand-up 
in my but they opinion, had, I think. Oh my god, they could the number of stand-up pass rushers that they could throw out on the right. field next year. You're talking about right. Cam Wilson, Popeye Williams, uh, you're yeah. talking about Stephen Heron, you're talking about potentially uh, Donna J. Green coming in as a, a freshman. Uh, I mean, their defensive line next year is going to be incredible, not to mention oh, yeah. the, the depth inside that they've added. Micah Carter, a St. X guy. Sorry, Vince, but uh, good to see them <laughs> add multiple Catholic school guys instead of just Trinity players. I don't think they've had – I can't think of the last, like, really prominent St. X player. I'm probably missing somebody. But Tyler Hey, There you go. That's right. That's right. You said that on the last show. <laughs> Um, Mason, yeah, so, Mason, uh, King. Mason there King. you go. Yeah, same ex boy. Yeah, him. Yeah. Same record just got broke by an Aussie, so it must not be that great. Oh, an Aussie um, in the transfer portal. Mason. Look, I'm disappointed <laughs> wow. in our fan base. I, I made the joke on Twitter today that he's the first punter to to buy and sell a house at, while he's in college because Satterfield always talks Wait. about how he was 25 with a mortgage. I thought that was hilarious. Like uh, he's he got to. He did, man. Did he? He did. did. He's going to go to Cincinnati where they punt a lot. Like, that's what oh, he wants. He doesn't want to be in the offense where they don't punt. <laughs> yeah, right. Wouldn't you? <laughs> he said, Sot, I got to follow, like you. Sense, gotta yeah. follow you, mate. You punt. <laughs> you punt, mate. All the time. <laughs> I mean, I love Mark. Mark. Yeah, Mark he seems like awesome. a good guy. He put some yeah. Vegemite on top of his freaking skyline for all I care. What did he, did he teach you anything Australian? Like, what's the, what's the most Australian thing he taught you? Anything? No, no. The only thing. <laughs> The only thing uh, that we would say, uh, because of course when he when you punt the ball, they call him like left, right, middle. He, the way how he would say right, we'd always repeat it. He'd be right, right, right. So like we would always say it. Sounds like, like the, the seagulls so. from Finding Nemo. That's what he yeah. sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man! But now over the weekend, speaking of, let's just kind of transition into recruiting here. I mean, that's kind of the one thing that stands out right now for Louisville. Uh, they're in a very Interesting situation where in 2019, if you guys remember, I don't know how much you all kept up with recruiting being inside the program, but they walk in all of the recruits from Bobby decommit from the, the running backs, the quarterbacks, the defensive linemen, offensive linemen, that class falls apart. I think they end up signing maybe like seven players in that first class, including guys like Dorian Jones, Alan Smith, who also entered the transfer portal today. Um, they bring in, you know, Evan Conley. Yeah. Conley. Some guys in that Jalen Mitchell, Conley. some really foundational pieces in that first class. Um, in this class, you're talking about um, some, some top 100 players. So, you know, one, two, three, four, five, top 300 players. Um, I think it's like nine or 10 top 500 players. I mean, this is a different level of talent. And so for Jeff Brom, you have to come in and re-recruit. Um, and it seems like that he's doing so over the weekend. They have a, a big, big blowout recruiting weekend um, as we've kind of become accustomed to, and I'm starting to to say, I, I think I need to verbalize this, that we need to put some respect on Pete Nocta. Uh, I think her oh, name is, yeah. is Caroline Harrell, one of the recruiting coordinators, uh, you know, who's on, whose job is on uh, campus recruiting. There's a few other uh, members Ryan of Fleming. that team yep. yeah, who have. Ryan. So <laughs> you, you got to give them credit because the, even in a coaching transition, they're able to have these mass recruiting weekends still. Like think about all the transition of guys you know, like uh, the detail of like, what office am I going to be in? Where am I going to live? What am I going to wear? Who's going to do my laundry? All these questions that coaches are trying to figure out. And they have to worry about working 14 hour days with 18 year olds coming in who they have to literally roll out the red carpet for. They continue to do that mm -hmm. over the weekend. Uh, Luke Burgess, Raekwon Atkins, Micah Carter, Stanquan Clark, Pierce Clarkson, William Foles, Adonis J. Greens, uh, Katarius Hicks, all these guys, Madden Sanker, Aaron Williams, they get all of these guys on campus and essentially reaffirm their commitments. And then not to mention you sprinkle in 
Dalen Austin, a four-star cornerback from California. Kiwan uh, Brown, a running back that was committed to Purdue from Atlanta, Georgia, a top uh, 500 guy. Uh, Edwin Joseph, a wide receiver cornerback who already has uh, Louisville in his bio on Instagram, which is the new recruiting thing. His bio's on Instagram. I, I feel so old. I got, I'm washed, man. I, the bio's on Instagram think, is too much for me. Do, do you think, uh, you know, nobody has houses here or anything? You think they all had a slumber party over at Oscars? <laughs> Mrs. Brom hosted. <laughs> Mrs. Brom felt like back in her element in the eighties of her kids. Right, like, like it's back in the day. Yeah, she's like Jeff's like in the morning. Jeff's like, Mom, I got some friends staying the night. She's she was, like, okay, yeah, sweetie. <laughs> she's making like that Meredith Ledford uh, cookie recipe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Hey, everybody loves oh, the cookies, man. man. Forever okay, this. And don't. Okay, so so big names too. Don't forget about a uh, What's this guy? How do? You, let me see if I can pronounce this right. Tausila Akana. Yes. Yes. Another top 100 linebacker. How about yeah. that? Yeah. Top, and yeah, then top 50 guy. Yeah. You talk about all name team. Are you guys ready for this? This is a guy mm. you can't miss, prospect. Okay. Storm Duck. Okay. Yeah, I mean, Storm does it get duck. better than Storm Duck? Yeah, <laughs> the, the, the best duck name since Quackadilly Blip, in my opinion. <laughs> this kid was a top like 50 kid a year ago in the, in the 2022 class. I mean, the, the, the star power they had over the weekend just really shows where this, this team is they're ready to catapult into, uh, I, I hate to be kind of hot takey here, but they're, they're talent wise setting themselves up to be a playoff team in four years, like in three years, they're setting themselves yeah. up for that. They've got some questions that they need to address. Yeah. Um, Dana, did you keep up with recruiting when you were on campus? Like, what did you think of uh, the, did you like the backdrop, the white backdrop with the rips in the ground? I don't know if you ever noticed that oh, there was a lot God. of play. It was really yeah. bad how they just kept putting that's that horrible. out. And that then they put the turf was, out. What'd you, what'd you think? What do you think about that? Uh, yeah, those pictures <laughs> with the ripped up white back, because we did that with our team photos back in 2019. And like my pictures, all you see is like ripped up white <laughs> stuff. I'm like, this is horrible. But uh, in my time was at Louisville, I mean, yeah, I would keep up with recruiting. Um, at the end of the day, I was just like, I don't really, I don't yeah, really you're right. I'm a grown man. I, mean, I don't have time I'm, for this. I got to lift in, you know, 10 minutes and I got to get, you know, I got to be in there five minutes early. Like, I'm not really worried about some 18 year old. I'm how good this kid is in June. <laughs> okay. So, right, here's yeah, my exactly. That's the big part. Uh, but a couple of losses, um, but also, again, a couple of guys that I think that are, could potentially be in the fold for Louisville, Edwin Joseph, Kiwan Brown, Dalen Austin. Uh, Presley, give me the name pronunciation one more time. It's Taulusila Lakana. Okay, Taulusila Lakana uh, is another guy that they could find themselves with a commitment from. And plenty more transfers. Marquise Groves, Killebrew uh, from Texas A&M, Jaden Thompson, wide receiver from Cincinnati. Um, obviously, that signing period doesn't really impact the transfers. But I'll just um, say quick thing. My dad, he wants Armstrong. Okay, I thought you were saying. I thought you were going to say your dad wants to play. Uh, let's, let's just, I think your dad could. I think your dad could play football right now. Your dad. Yeah. You. Your dad. <laughs> your dad. Uh, Mr. Fitzpatrick. Uh, yeah. you, yep. Abdul, Xavier Abdullah. They could form a dad. All dad squad locally, yeah. dude. And they might win some football games. I mean, that honestly might be the best dad team in the country, right there. They're taking dad yeah, bots like a whole new like. They, look, level. that's not even fair. <laughs> yeah. Like the dad bot that. It's not like I'm over here rocking a keg and they're six packs <laughs> at 40 and 50 oh, years old. Like, yeah. oh man, it's, it's something else. Yeah. But, so, uh, so let me ask you all this real fast while we're on that topic. 
would you rather have Brendan Armstrong or uh, uh, what's his name from from Lake Forest? Sam, Sam Hartman. Hartman. Mm-hmm. Give me Sam Hartman. I don't like lefty. We've been over. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We got to we've been over here. You shit on Sam Hartman all year long. Like help <laughs> us, help us get an idea. I don't like Sam Hartman. I, don't I like was Sam shitting Hartman. on the offense. I was shitting yeah. on the no, yes. no, 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 no. You talked oh. about how he doesn't hold on to the football when he throws it. You talked right. about that. Well, even when we're not playing, it, he Forest, was a draft prospect till he played Louisville. He was a draft prospect till he played. It feels like well, yeah. I mean, he was the he was the Heisman sleeper going into the year. Um, but I mean, so I, I think when you look at Brennan Armstrong and then you look at Sam Hartman, you, Sam Hartman was a successful product of a really good system and Brennan Armstrong was a victim of his system. So I think that's important to keep in mind, you know, Brennan Armstrong, we saw can be extremely capable player, uh, when, when they had an excellent offensive coordinator, when his receivers mm-hmm. could catch a football, when he wasn't playing hurt half the time, uh, he was really yeah. solid torched Louisville uh two years ago um and then yeah then um on, on the on the flip side of things you know Sam Hartman he got a lot of players open by as a product of of the way that their offense runs uh they keep defenses on their heels so you saw against Louisville and and Louisville kind of laid the blueprint for the rest of the season for them uh when you're playing Wake Forest you get pressure on the quarterback they're going to fuck up. So that's, that's essentially, that's basically what, what, what happened the rest of the season. Like Louisville laid that foundation and, you know, Sam Hartman couldn't step up to the occasion. Now, with that being said, if Sam Hartman comes here, like it seems like there's legs to that, that rumor. I've seen it come out of, you know, like three different sources. Now, uh, if, if that's the case, um, he again could be a product of an excellent offense. So, um, it, it, it'd be an interesting conversation to have in the offseason. And then it'd be, you know, the Sam Hartman versus, you know, do you just play? You know, you don't bring that guy in to not play. So, no. And uh, I, I think there's a good chance you're going to see Brock Doman. You know, I know he's kind of fought to get where he is, but I think you're, he's earned the right to transfer down and, and be a starter at like a Coastal Carolina or somewhere like yeah. that. I think Caleb Johnson is going to compete uh, for the starting quarterback job, which we've talked about a lot. Uh, You guys Mm -hmm. talked about that a lot last week. Uh, And then also, you know, you can't consider, you can't rule out Pierce Clarkson, who is going to be here in January. Um, He's a little small for the quarterback position at, at, uh, as a true freshman. Uh, You know, I know guys like Caleb came in at six, three, two twenty. Pierce is like, 6-1-170-180. Definitely Ooh. some work to do. And we don't have a strength and, and conditioning coach just yet. So we don't know what that's going to look like. But um, I know that defensive line is going to be feasting to get after a quarterback like that um early on in his He's career. Also, so him early enrolling is what's really going to help him. I mean, yeah, no doubt. Whole, oh, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And that's many months to gain man, weight and stuff. And- the spring, the winter, spring season, like I, I mean, I was on weight gain program for a time. It is it's brutal. It's brutal. It really yeah. is. Like it's as be, much as you need. And hey, no spring football in February. So the four of us might be able to go out and enjoy a, a oh, beer right, in yeah. April. It's spring football. Like <laughs> right. normal people. You know, hey, like they can charge that. for tickets to the spring game this year. 
Yeah, they oh, we, yeah, we might have our they first could. sellout absolutely. in spring game. No, but um, as you listen to this, no, I know I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> a guy, unless they have dollar oh, bills, no. then it's a different story. Which, hey, you work in alcohol sales. Let's let's Not get Dana, no let's get Dana after this. Uh, only beers. only only uh liquor, no beer. Okay, liquor, only liquor, liquor which on applies for these two oh, fellas. No. Only yeah, dollar that, liquors. Be, what will dangerous. I ever do? <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. Well, that's going to wrap us up here on From the Pink Seats podcast. We appreciate you all for tuning in for this season. It's been a roller coaster. Um, I'm talking about the lowest of lows and some of the highest of highs. But uh, we in here with a victory. Uh, Presley is in a hotel room in Michigan. This this is like the perfect. Matt's not here. Like, could you write a, a better ending to the season? Like, it's just it's just crazy to see. <laughs> what Matt, is not, this? <laughs> we've got a couple of more weeks to go. We'll be back this week with a signing day episode. Uh, check that out. Grant Mulligan of State of Louisville, former Louisville football assistant, is going to join us to, to break down each of these commitments. <laughs> We encourage you to subscribe, follow along. Dana, thank you so much for, for joining us. Any Anything you want to add or, or say to the people? I know you plug some some liquor. Whatever liquor, we'll put some money in your pocket. Whatever you want to plug here, go ahead, my friend. Uh, Tito's, Woodford, yeah. Jack Daniels. There you go. Course, I, had a, I had a Tito's in, yeah. in Cranberry over there the weekend, go. so hopefully you're seeing a little bit of that condition. I heard there. I'm a big uh, big tequila guy, so and buy okay. from your independent retail stores. Don't buy from, from the big chains. Look at that, man. I love that already. (laughs) True professional. All right, guys, we will catch you uh, here in a couple of days. Until then, go Cards. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.